because we make it the house of God by us being together and we do give you a very warm welcome. It's also uh, great to welcome uh, Arnie's mum here tonight as well and we give you a warm welcome and uh, there are other people as well who are here and uh, it's great to see you. We, we, over the summer series we decided that we were going to uh, work through the, 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 the theme of faith and um, I want you to just dig your neighbour at this side and say you need to get your spade ready. And that means basically what I'm, what I'm going to be doing is not digging a hole for myself, but we're going to put in some hard yards tonight. Um, because what I want you to do, if you've got a notepad and pen, I really want you to engage in the ministry tonight because I want to set um, the, the foundation for where I want to go over the next three times that I'm ministering. I was only saying to Caroline yesterday that actually I've, don't all think that I don't do anything and it's just all about Sunday, but I actually haven't. Uh, preached or shared for, for a number of weeks and there's been some great guys that have come through and some younger guys and Julie was uh, sharing this morning in Ilkeston and did a fantastic job and we've had John Partington and, and different things that have been happening. So I've actually got the joy and privilege of, of sharing tonight and then in Ilkeston next Sunday and then in Mansfield in the evening and I just encourage you, I am actually going to approach it on three different uh, messages. I already know exactly where I want to go with it. And tonight is to just lay a foundation of faith, okay? Lay a foundation of faith, and that's why I say I'd really encourage you to get your notepad and your pen. We're going to look at some things that are a little bit basic. I'm going to ask a few questions of you. I'm going to ask you to go away and just work some things through this week, and then ready to come back for, for either Sunday morning or, or Sunday evening. Now, let me just set this thing up of faith. The reality is, I struggle with the issue of faith. You might look at me and think, this man is full of faith. He prays with faith. He walks with faith. He, he exudes faith. I hope that those things you would say about me. But the reality is, deep in my heart at times, I don't f always feel full of faith. Particularly when struggles come to us. With that song that, that spoke there when... when when, when struggles come to our lives and when challenges come to us, it's easy to have faith when everything's going well. But when everything's going wrong, you feel like God has left you. You feel like you're on, a, you're on your own. And you can almost feel abandoned and faithless. Am I speaking to anybody tonight? There are lots of phrases that are around the world today. When we use the word faith, some people may not get it. But if you would use the word faithful or fidelity, then people would understand that. And the reality is that in the world in which we live, people get it because of the opposite. Instead of being faithful, it's faithless. Or instead of being faithful, it's being unfaithful. Instead of living in fidelity, it's living in infidelity. You're hearing me tonight. And that's the kind of world in which we live. There are troubles in this world. There are meltdowns, financial meltdowns. There are crises that we keep hearing about. And all these could lead us to a point of an erosion of our faith. You see, I, I, in, in what I do, I talk with people who are sick in their body. And they may have lived a life of faith, but that sickness brings them with an incredible challenge. And the challenge is this, is God truly God? Because some people think if God is truly God, then why am I going through this? And that has nothing to do with it. And we heard that this morning. God is God, whether we're in sickness or whether we're in health. He is God. 
And our faith isn't dependent on whether I'm well or whether I'm sick. My faith is dependent on God and God alone and who he is. And I'll come on to that more as we run through our time together. But there are things that comes, come to our life that can bring us to a point of where we feel faithless. The Bible speaks through writers and speakers. You know, there's comments like Jesus himself said, have faith in God. He once said to the disciples, oh, you of little faith. And then he said to a man, don't be afraid. Just believe. I want to say those three phrases apply to me all the time because I need to be encouraged to have faith in God. And there are times when God speaks to my heart personally and he says, oh, you of little faith. Because I feel like my faith is so small when I'm looking at the incredible challenge that's laid ahead. And there are times when I feel afraid, but Jesus comes to me and says, don't be afraid, just believe. I love what Andy mentioned last week because that verse of scripture that he looked at, he, the, the, he was, a question was you know, asked of somebody. And, and they, uh, Jesus asked them the question, he says, I do believe, just help me in my unbelief. It seems like a contradiction. I do believe, and I sometimes feel like that. I do believe, but please help me in my unbelief. And the reality is, if we now bring, I've told you my story. I wonder what your story consists of. I think we'd all be the same, really. There are some people who are naturally more positive. There are some people who are more glass uh, half full than half empty. Yeah, and you know which one you are. There are some people here who are naturally optimistic. And then there are some people who are amongst you who are naturally pessimistic. I'm not talking about those things tonight. I'm talking about the issue of faith. Because God wants to build faith in all of our hearts. Why do I know that? Because God is only interested in one thing. You see, we must understand this, and if you're taking notes, I want you to just draw a line underneath this, or if you're going to listen on podcast again, I want you to just underline this as you're doing it, because we need to understand one thing, and one thing alone, God only responds to one thing, and it's called faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that is why this series is so important. Without faith, Liam, it is impossible to please God. You can do all you, you want to do, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Now, what am I talking about in this faith? Well, this isn't where I want to get to, but there's three things I want to say very quickly. First of all, there's something called saving faith. We heard about it this morning. The beginning of faith. Faith first. Saving faith. How do I know that? Well, in Ephesians and chapter 2, And verse 8, we haven't got time to go to it, but it says this, Paul writes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of your own, so that no one can boast, but this is a work of God. You see, it's by grace you have been saved through faith. What I do want to say on this, because I don't think I can move along, because there may be some people who are trying to understand what this faith is. You know... A train engine. I'm not a trained person. But you can have the carriage, and the carriage sits there. But the carriage ain't going anywhere until it's connected to the engine. Yes? You can have a carriage that sits there. Picture a carriage in your mind. 
But the only way that carriage is going anywhere, when it's connected to the engine. This is similar to what Paul is writing here. Because it's by grace you have been saved. So grace sits here as the carriage. God's grace has been poured out on you and me. God loves you with an everlasting love. You might have messed up massively, but God still loves you. Get your head around that. Let me mess with your heads tonight. You might be the worst, filthiest sinner, and I want to really mess with your head and your heart now, but God still loves you. You keep on sinning. You say, well, I'm going to keep on sinning and doing what I want. God still comes and says, I still love you. Because nothing that you can do will stop his love. It's called his grace. His grace has been poured out upon us. There's no measure to this grace and this love. Paul writes, no height, no depth. How can we get around this love? Can you remember the old Sunday school, Sunday school song? The love of Jesus is so wonderful, so high. I remember that you see Glennis, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. So wide, it's not like me. Okay, you can't get around it. Oh, wonderful love. You see, there's this carriage called grace. But if we're going to get this vehicle moving, our faith has to connect with his grace and something supernatural takes place. Something so supernatural takes place. And what it will take is a step of faith. Well, I can't see God. No, I've never seen God. But I know he's real. But what about all the trouble in the world? And what about all the trouble in Africa? And what about all the kids? Surely God can't allow all that. And I don't want to go on that debate. And it's a horrible thing that's happening. But God is gracious. God is just. God, God is right. God is kind. God is merciful. I believe all these things. I believe all these things. My faith connecting with grace, His grace, causes something supernatural to take place. And that's called saving faith. I've spent far too long there. The second thing is living faith. You may say living faith. Well, again, Julie addressed that this morning because it's that everyday faith. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, it says, We walk by faith and not by... So we need faith to just live. Walk through our lives. That's called living faith. There's something that happens as we just live our lives. We need living faith. Anybody need a living faith here tonight? Yeah, I need a living faith for tomorrow. And God, I'm not going to walk by what I see. I'm going to walk only by what your word says about me and about what's happening in the world. And that's called living faith. The third thing is, which I'm going to more go towards, is something that I call dynamic faith. Dynamic faith. What am I talking about? Well, that dynamic faith that Jesus talks about is found in Matthew 17, verse 20. Because Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. And I remember hearing this story for the very first time. I was 11. I was in a school assembly in St. John's in Mansfield. Sat there on the floor listening to the head teacher, Mr. Pilkington, who brought in a mustard seed. And I couldn't believe, you couldn't see it, it's so small. And he said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, then you can command that mountain to move and it has to obey. This is called dynamic faith. This is what God is wanting to lead us into. He doesn't just want us to live 
in saving faith, we need to be saved tonight. And at the end, I'll give you an opportunity. If you've never given your life to Jesus, for you to respond. For those who have responded, he wants you to live in this faith. But he doesn't just want you to stay there. He wants to bring to your life that dynamic faith. Where you press through and you believe God for wonderful things that are beyond your control. You see, for me, the foundation of faith, and faith is a conviction, it's a persuasion, being fully convinced and fully persuaded. This is the faith that I'm talking about. So what is the basis for my faith in God? Well, again, there are three things. First of all, the existence of God. This has to be the basis. You don't try and shortcut this. My faith is rooted, this is me talking now, not a textbook, not a theologian. My faith is rooted tonight in these three things. The existence of God as creator, ruler, provider of salvation through his son, Jesus, and he being father. Secondly, I am absolutely convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, the saviour. There isn't one to come. The Jews are still looking for the Messiah. They are still waiting expectantly for the Messiah to come. I want to tell you, he already came. He lives in my heart. He hung on a cross and he rose again on the third day. And he's now at the right hand of the Father, interceding on yours and my behalf. His name is Jesus. Some call him Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I like to call him Jesus Christ, the saviour of the world. I'm not waiting for a Messiah. I'm absolutely rock solid in my faith and my conviction, fully persuaded that he is the Messiah. So I'm utterly convinced of that. And the other thing is, I'm convinced that I can, because of Jesus the Messiah, I can obtain eternal salvation in God's kingdom. So I have the ticket, baby. You all understand what? I have the ticket, baby. If I go out now and I get you know, torn over by a vehicle in the side of the road, I want to tell you, there ain't any indecision in my mind of where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. Now, it's not all just about getting the ticket. And we're, again, we'll come on to that later. Third thing is, I have an absolute faith fully convinced, fully persuaded, in the absolute trust and confidence in God's word, the Bible. This book here, I believe it to be true. There, there ain't any tearing of pages. Oh, I don't like that bit. I'm taking that bit out. Oh, I like that bit. I'll highlight that bit. Oh, I'm not sure. in the United Kingdom by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. If you've never heard of Smith Wigglesworth, you need to go and do a Google check on him. He's wrote a number of, 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 um, of books. Just an incredible Pentecostal pioneer. He said this, faith has the power of access. My question is, 
To access what? Because if faith has the power of access, what is it getting me access into? Are you all following me tonight? I believe that faith has the power of access, and that access is to access all the power, riches, and treasures of the kingdom of God. Now, as people who are living in saving faith, and we are rooted in the living day-to-day faith, and we are fully persuaded and fully convinced in God as creator, Jesus the Messiah, and the Bible being the inspired word of God, then the something begins to happen. The something begins to take place in us. And God wants to do something in us. But the problem is, many of us do not enter into dynamic faith because we don't believe. Deep down in our hearts, we believe it can happen in Africa, and we believe it can happen in South America, and we believe it can happen in Australasia, and even we can believe it for Peggy because it happened to her and her sister's brother, and he was healed of cancer, and, and it happens when Reinhard Bonnke comes to town, and it happens when Louis Palau's around, and it happens when we've got healing evangelists around, but it's only Christian, and it's, well, it's just Arena Church in Mansfield, and oh... And the problem is, we don't believe. Faith has the power to access. But we don't believe. Someone once said, we have not, because we ask not. It was Jesus. We have not, because we ask not. And I want to say, and we ask not, because we believe not. Write down in that, that in your notepad. That's my little italics and italics. You see, we have not because we ask not, which is absolutely true. And we ask not because we believe not. Hebrews 11 verse 6 in the message writes, Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe, get this, both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond. I want to tell you, my faith... the start of those verses is, and that's Hebrews 11 verse 1 and 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. And then it goes on to say those things, because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond. Now I've dealt with the he exists bit in my opening remarks, but let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that he cares enough to respond for you? Because that's where dynamic faith begins to kick in. Do you really believe? Because God wants to bring you to a point where there's dynamic faith. That what God has done in another part of the world, you say, I believe he cares enough about my life to do that for me. That sickness that that family member's in, I believe that as he's healed that person, or as he's helped that person, I believe he cares enough to respond to me. That's when we begin to step into dynamic Faith. Said I've got two questions for you. Have you got your pads and your pens ready? Some of this is just throwing out. It's a bit, and Phil will be laughing now if he listens to it on pod, because I'll be just tearing everything and just going for it, because I said it's the foundation. But this leads me to two questions. Two questions that I want to ask of you. I don't want you to ask, uh, answer out loud. I want you to just ponder them in your heart. The first question is this on faith. Can God do what I'm asking of him? 
can God do what I'm asking of him? That crisis that you've got in your home, a crisis in the marriage, a crisis with that son, that crisis with that daughter, a person that's far away from God, that business that's failing, that sickness that's affecting your body, that person that's causing you trouble at work, that person that's far away from God and you're longing for them to come back to him. Can God do what I'm asking of him? My question then is, well, what does the evidence show? The evidence shows to me, I can only answer this for me, that actually the answer to that is yes, I really believe that God can do what he needs to do. So let me take it now, ground it to our church now. We know that we need a building. We, need, we, we, we believe that God is building this church. So can God give us a building? The answer to that is, yeah. I believe he can give us a building. Because my Bible tells me that he owns the cattle on the hills. I'm not being blase and flippant here, but God's able to do anything. Far above. All we can ask, dream, think, or imagine. According to his power that's at work within us. The second question is, if that is true, if the answer to that is yes, God can do it, then am I praying in his will? These are just two questions that I ask of myself. Because I have to then begin to ask myself, are my requests rooted in need or greed? To please me or to please God? Well, let me give you an example now. The building is a classic. Am I praying in the will of God for a building for Arena Church Mansford? Is this a need or is it agreed? Well, you could say, well, you've got a building at Bosworth Street, but we've always gone on record. It's not the right kind of building that we want, not for what I believe that God wants to do. So actually, I do believe that I'm praying out of need, not greed. There's the first answer to that. And the second question is, is this to give Christian Thorpe great profile? Is this to put up the name of Arena Church to make us look God? And if the answer to that is yes, we need to sort our attitude out. But I want to tell you, on this particular matter, the answer is not yes. It's not about the the accolades of Christian Thorpe or Arena Church. It's to bring glory to God. So am I praying in the will of God? The answer to that is yes. Therefore, God, can you give us a building? Yes. Am I praying in your will while I answer those questions? And I seem to be okay. Then I'm going to continue to pray and believe in faith. For God to do the immeasurably more. This is dynamic faith. You see, building faith in our lives is active. It's never passive. Are you still with me tonight? Let me give you an example of that. Because some people love to talk about faith but never live in it. Noah was asked to build a boat even though he didn't know what rain is. Never seen rain. Yet had been told to build a boat. Moses was said, said to him, when you raise the staff, the waters will part. But he'd never done that before. But he had to be active in his faith. And as he raised the staff, the waters parted. When you step out into the deep waters, God said to Joshua, then the waters will stack either side of you. But listen to this, they had to step out. They did not have to just wait there. Well, God, we're waiting for you to just open up the waters. And God, will you do that? Moses didn't just stand there and says, well, God, just do it for me. And then I'll do it afterwards. He says, when you raise your staff and when you step out into the deep, then I will do what I will do. David faced a giant. His name was Goliath. And I was in kids' church. I had the joy of speaking in kids' church a couple of weeks ago. It was 
great because there was a guy even bigger than Arnie, and that's something. I think he was about six foot seven, this guy, and he was settling his child in kids' church. And I thought, great, because I'm talking about David and Goliath. And I put him on a chair, and he was about the same sort of height as Goliath would have been. Goliath was ten, nearly ten foot tall. He was a big man. He would have been twice the size of me, and no comments in terms of width as well. He was a big, big man, and he had a loud, booming voice. And he sent dread and fear through the whole of the armies of Israel. And the little shepherd boy by the name of David, yes, he's fought the lion and the bear, but this Goliath was incredibly scary. And Goliath faces this boy. And David steps out into the deep. What is he operating in? Dynamic faith. He knew that there was no way physically David could take this man out, but he knew with God on his side, God was well able to take this giant out. And actually, it was a bit of a, you know, like a sort of example of us with an ant. Because that's how God was compared to Goliath. You see, God is wanting us to step out. Here's another example. When you walk around Jericho, what happened is they was asked to walk around Jericho. And we've said before, the walls were no way, could anybody get over them? They were impenetrable walls that God had said to Joshua as you walk around the walls on the last count I'm just going to have to ask for a trumpet blast and a, 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 and a shout of praise and the walls will come down Joshua can you just give us a little bit of help please because I'd like to see just the doors open first and then we'll go or everybody running scared no no took a step of faith you see building faith is active, never passive. We all love the safety of our environments. But I want to tell you tonight, faith has to be exercised. You know, some of you really need to underline this. Faith never plays safe and never runs to comfort. Oh, how we love comfort. I love my bed. I love comfortable things. I mean, we were talking about going camping uh, if you love camping, that's wonderful, but, you know, to try and get my dear wife camping. And she'll say, and you, but my dear wife camping would be a massive thing. And the reason is because she loves her bed so much, and uh, not she's always in the bed, but I'm digging myself a deeper hole here, because <laughs> that's not true at all. But we just like, everybody likes the comfortableness, don't we, of, of what we have. Faith isn't comfortable. That's why most of us don't live in it. Faith isn't comfortable. Faith doesn't always bring the outcome that we expect because it's God's church and it's God's ways and not our ways. That isn't the cop-out, but we're just called to live a life of faith. I'd love to announce to you that God's going to write a check out for this building that we need and it's all going to come together like that. But I have a sneaking suspicion that isn't how it's going to work because that would be too easy. And God wants to lay a foundation of faith in our hearts. What I'm really saying to you is faith has to be exercised, but it's not running to safety or running to comfort. You see, dynamic faith works out its way in very practical ways in all of our lives. You know, for some of you, you don't like even telling people that you're a Christian. Because you feel so timid. Dynamic faith says, you know what, I'm going to trust God and I'm just going to announce that I'm a believer. I'm going to announce that I love God. And I'm going to start telling people about Jesus. Dynamic faith says, I'm not just going to hear about that work colleague who's sick. I'm actually going to tell them, I'm going to pray for you. And can I pray for you now? 
Dynamic faith says, instead of hearing about the mission that AD is involved in, AD, how can I come and help in what you are seeking to do in Accra, Ghana, or wherever it may be? We've already heard about giving. Dynamic faith says, well, I'm not just going to give 10%, but actually, God, I'm really going to stir my heart to give more than 10%, and I'm going to go for 15%, and I'm going to trust you in the extra 5%. Dynamic faith is never passive. It always has to be exercised. Let me say, faith is not an emotion. It's not a rush of excitement. I know that I can get seriously pumped up and get you pumped up and all jumping on the chairs and rah, rah, we're going to take Mansfield for Jesus. I want to tell you, faith isn't a rush of excitement or emotion. Faith is a conviction. Are you hearing me tonight? Faith is a conviction. Are you fully persuaded? Are you convinced in your heart about God and the things of God? Here's a quote for you guys, younger guys. You see, it's easy to project faith than it is to practice faith. I forever hear about people who are going to, what we're going to do, and how we're going to do it. And I'm now at a point where I say, okay, go and do it. It's no good us announcing to you what we're going to get a building. Well, when? Well, someday. That's just projecting faith. It's an illusion. God isn't interested in us projecting faith. All he's interested in is us practicing faith. Let me take back to the Bible verse that we heard. It's about fully surrendering everything. Trouble, persecution, challenges will all come your way. For sure. But God is wanting us to live a life of faith. And my time's nearly up. Let me just give you a verse on that because I want to tell you there will be challenges that come your way. And people who seek to live a life of faith, they face more challenges than any other. Look at Jesus, look at Paul, look at any of the great people who have lived uh, on planet Earth. They face more challenges, more uh, uncomfortableness than anybody else. Psalm 37 verse 24 says, Even though you fall, you shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds you with his mighty hand. That job, relationship, failure, sickness, interview, meeting. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I'm going to read this. And then I'm going to come to the last comment of what I want to do. So just stay with me just for a moment. And I do want to just read this so I get it all clear. You see, we desire the church to be living and vibrant, full of noise and color. We understand that there are structures and legalities that have to be an operation in any organization. But I want to tell you, we want to walk in faith. This will challenge those amongst us who naturally play safe. Those who live for their own personal comfort and own agendas. It will make you uncomfortable. I want to tell you, we're continuing to build on the faith journey of the pastors and the leaders who have gone before seeking to live out a faith journey that will not be restricted, limited, or bound. This will mean taking, this will mean risking our reputations, taking risks on people, launching potentially risky, non-conforming new ministries, and purchasing and leasing buildings that we do not have the finance for. It will mean personal hardship and at times lack. But by living the life of faith, we will please God. And God will, be, will part our own Red Seas, will slay our Goliaths, and will bring down the walls of our Jericho. 
I was very intentional in writing that. I felt the Lord just laid on my heart almost a prophetic declaration of this is where we are going. I close. In 1919, looking around the room, none of you are around then. Some of you are close. I wasn't looking at you, Dad, then when I said that. In 1919, a church and a school in Tekoa Falls in the United States, since 1913, had faced overwhelming hardship and difficulty. I'm talking severe hardship. This little church was at the point of closure. And a pastor by the name of Paul Radar, you'll have never heard of him before. Not well known at all, not famous. But he was there. And he wrote a hymn. I asked Julie to, to see if she knew it. And she knew it, but not well enough to, to play it. But I just want to finish by reading the words of this hymn. This is what he said. Fear not, little flock, from the cross to the throne. From death into life, he went for his own. All power in earth, all power above, is given to him for the flock of his love. Fear not, little flock, he goeth ahead. Your shepherd selecteth the past. The path you must tread. The waters of Mara, he'll sweeten for thee. He drank all the bitter in Gethsemane. Fear not, little flock, whatever your lot. He enters all rooms, the doors being shut. He never forsakes. He never is gone. So count on his presence in darkness and dawn. And this is the chorus. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. I believe. I believe. I wonder if we'd bow our heads.